Welcome to the Freedom House Church Weekend Message. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from a communicator on our teaching team. Whether you're just waking up, on your way to work, or going for a relaxing evening walk, we know this message will equip you to experience Christ's freedom today and every day. So enjoy. take over today because Pastor Aaron and Pastor Troy are both in Nebraska today. So I I just realized when you got up here and then me, I guess it's just the girls taking over. Aren't you glad that you're part of a church where you understand uh, that a healthy home has the voice of both a mother and a father? And here at Freedom House, you don't just get to hear the masculine heart, which is very important. You also get to hear the feminine heart. And so I think that blesses God, and hopefully it will bless you today as well. Um, We are in a series, and I've been liking this series. It's been pretty fun. It's called The Dog Days of Summer, and it's all about how in the summer, if we aren't careful, now we understand that taking a vacation is a good thing, but if we are not careful, we can sometimes take a vacation from God, and that is not such a good thing. So the question that I want to ask today as we dive into this a little bit deeper is what happens, what do you do when things get hard? What do you do when things get hard? Uh, I think all of us could say the last 18 months have been hard, but I think even just individually, just life in general, think about what's happened with you in your life. It could be marriage things that got hard, raising your kids that got hard. What do we do when things in our life just seem like they've gotten a little too hard? The first thing I want to do is I want to go and I want to take a look at Peter. And the point that we're going to be jumping in on this scripture is when Jesus is actually calling Peter into the ministry. So I want to read this and I want to start in Matthew chapter 4. But I want you to know that we're going to be going through a lot of scripture today and I'm going to be breaking it down. Um, So it's going to be a little different than what we would normally do. I'm going to go through and really talk about some of the Greek words and just really break down first as to what we're actually seeing when we see these scriptures. First thing, Matthew 4, it says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. 
Then he, Jesus, said to them, follow me. What did Jesus say? Follow me. Remember that. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Now the word right there for immediately in the Greek shows way more intensity than what we see right there. What this means is there was a total urgency that they had internally to follow Jesus. And so they did that. But how many of you know, how many of you understand that just because Jesus calls you, just because you do what he's asking, does that make the road easy? I mean, it wasn't easy for Peter, so it might not be so easy for us all of the time, right? So here we we can go through and we can read all through the New Testament different times where Peter blew it. He didn't exactly live up to the call that Jesus called him to. Do you remember the time when Jesus is explaining to Peter and some of the other disciples that he's going to actually die and he's going to be raised again and all these things that are going to happen to him? And Peter's like, no, it's not. I'm not going to allow this to happen to you. That's not going to happen. And what do you see Jesus says? Jesus calls him something. What does he call him? You can say it louder. You're right. Why are y'all acting like you're, you know, Episcopalian, scared to talk up in church? We're a rowdy bunch in here. Right? Just say it. Jesus called him Satan. Jesus says to him, get behind me, Satan. Why does he say that? Because it was already a hard thing that Jesus was walking through, and he didn't need the voice of Satan whispering in his ear. So he, he lets Peter know that he's out of line. Peter had a good heart, but he often blew it, like many of us, right? So Jesus says to him, get behind me, Satan. That wasn't one of Peter's finest moments, you think? That wasn't the only time that Peter blew it. We also know there was an incredible thing that happened where Jesus goes up on the Mount of Transfiguration, and he only takes three disciples with him. He leaves the rest of them down. He says, Peter, James, and John, I want the three of you to come with me. I want you to experience what is about to happen. Because he's literally standing on a mountain. The Bible says that his whole face turns white like this fire of God comes upon him. And he's having a conversation with God himself. Jesus is speaking. God is speaking back. There's a presence that shows up. Even some of the old prophets show up and are standing there. People that Peter had only heard about and now he's witnessing them. That's a pretty amazing, intense moment. I mean, I'm just thinking if I'm Peter, I'm probably going to be quiet and I'm going to watch and I'm going to take in what's going on and I'm probably going to be in awe. I'm probably going to be shocked. But what does Peter do? He starts trying to converse with all of them, right? I mean, like not exactly fitting for the moment, Peter. So what does God do? Literally cuts Peter off mid-sentence and tells him to be quiet, Not one of Peter's finest moments, right? I mean, we all have those moments when we're trying to follow God, when he's called us. We don't always have our best moment. Peter did that again. Well, he did it a lot. But another very specific instance is Jesus is about to go to the cross. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he'd already told him, they're going to be coming for me. And so the Roman soldiers come. Well, what does Peter do? 
When they go to take Jesus away, Peter pulls out his sword, slices off one of the guard's ears, and Jesus is like, Peter, Peter, picks the ear up, pops the ear back on. He's like, healed, healed in my name. No. But he, he heals him right there. He's, he's trying to show Peter, and, and Peter didn't always get it right. Anybody in here ever get it right all the time? So we're in pretty good company, right? Peter didn't always do what he needed to do or get it right. And, you know, he got a little anxious in that moment. But, but here's, here's one of the, the stories that I actually want to read out to you where Peter doesn't get it right. And more than once in this conversation, he just doesn't get it right. And he doesn't even understand that he's not getting it right. In Matthew chapter 26, this is Jesus. This is the Last Supper. This is the the dinner that they're having. This is the Passover. It's the whole week where literally Jesus is going to die and go to the cross. And he's having this last conversation with his disciples. He's given them their last little pep talk, their last little, you know, moment of um, just connection with him. And Jesus says to them, this very night, not tomorrow, not in two weeks, not in a month, but this very night, you will fall away on account of me. He's telling this to his disciples. And he's letting them know that not only is he saying this, but it was also prophesied. And he says, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered By the way, if you're wondering what's happened over the last 18 months, why churches have been quiet, is because if you go after the shepherd, if you strike the shepherd, the sheep will scatter. Just thought I'd throw that in as a side note. It says, but after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. But Peter replied, even if all fall away. Hey, you're saying all of us right now, but even if all these guys fall away, On account of you, I never will. Now, Jesus had just told him that he would. Jesus just told him that it was prophesied. And Peter says, I never will. Jesus says again, truly, I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. How many times? Three Three times, Peter, you're going to disown me tonight. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, be careful what you ask for, Peter. I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. It's so interesting to me to read this account. And it's like, this is his last moments. Jesus is like, this is about to happen. I'm trying to give you the download. I'm trying to tell you. And and Peter's arguing with him. I mean, do we ever argue with God or do we always just go, God, absolutely, whatever you said, I'll go and I'll do it. Anybody ever argue with God? Okay. All right. Just, just checking. All right. Now, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the synoptic gospels. Then you also have John, um, which also it'll go through and it'll, John, the book of John will give you some other uh, stories of what happened. But Matthew, Mark, and Luke all have the same stories and they just share them from a different vantage point of the writer. So for example, Luke is a physician. So we're going to read Luke's account and what he wrote down about this 
whole transaction that happens. And I want you to see this because now we're going to start to break some things down, okay? Luke chapter 22, verse 31. It says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you. This is all at the Lord's Supper. This is the same dinner. Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, in other words, I'm praying that your faith doesn't fail permanently because you're going to have a slip up. And I want you to come back when you do. He says, When you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. In other words, help the other ones come back too, Peter. Because you've always been a leader, sometimes not in the right way. But Peter, I'm asking you, when you come back, help them too. But Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Now, what I want to do right here is I want to break down a lot of things that this verse says. The first thing that I want to show you is that by this point, Jesus had already called Peter by a new name. He said, your name was Simon, but now your name is Peter, which means rock. And upon you, Peter, I am going to build my church. But in this scripture... Jesus is calling him Simon, Simon. Jesus is going back to his old name and calling him by his old name. Why? Because Peter is acting like his old nature. So Jesus isn't calling him by where he had told him that he was. He's like, Simon, Simon. In other words, you're acting like where you came from right now, not where I have called you to be. That's the first thing that is so significant about this verse. The other thing that is very significant to me is that word ready. Now, I explained a few weeks ago that the Greek language is very different than our English language, okay? The Greek language, when they use a word, it's very, very specific and very definitive, whereas we will use a word and you're just supposed to assume Uh, the intensity of the word. And I gave you the example a few weeks ago of the word love, right? I can say, I love my husband and I love my dog, and you are supposed to assume which one the greater intensity is on, right? And I told you a few weeks ago that both of them are in the doghouse sometimes, so it could vary from week to week, right? So, but you're supposed to just assume the intensity, When I say I love my husband or I love a cheeseburger, but the Greek language is is very different. It would describe loving a cheeseburger as a very different word than loving your husband, right? So here in this word, this word when it says ready, that word ready isn't just hey, like, hey, you good? Like what we would use it. That word is actually the Greek word hedioimus. And that specific word right there means, hey, I'm physically fit for this fight. It it implies fitness. And so what Peter is saying is, Lord, I am physically fit. I'm ready to protect you. I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. But what Peter doesn't understand 
is Jesus doesn't need him to be physically fit. He needs him to be spiritually fit. And we know that Peter tends to go in that, that realm because of the way he responded to the guard when the, the Roman guards came to take Jesus, he responded in his flesh. He responded physically. I got this. Right? And Jesus is trying to get him to understand, like, Peter, I, I, I realize your background. You, you know, you're a fisherman. You're used to pulling in huge nets of things. You're used to being out on the water. I understand, but, but remember, I called you not to be a fisherman where you're on the water anymore. I've called, to be, called you to be a fisherman of people. So I don't need your physical strength right now. What I need you to get right now, Peter, is your spiritual strength. And the word that he responds with is a physical word. Now, we know that Peter goes on that very night to do exactly what Jesus said, and he denied Jesus how many times? Three times Peter denies Jesus because Peter was looking for a different kind of a fight. He didn't understand the fight that was going to happen. He was trying to rely on his natural strength, but his natural strength failed, and our natural strength will fail, which is why God tries to teach us how to handle ourselves spiritually. So, I mean, and there are, you can't just totally get rid of anything physical, right? I mean, we need to be physically fit for the battle, but the spiritual component cannot be overlooked, and so what happens is three times Peter denies Jesus. And the Bible says that when the, the cock crowed, when the rooster crowed exactly like Jesus said, then the Bible says that Peter wept bitterly. And I don't know about you, but when I've done wrong, it doesn't feel so good. And sometimes... If we're not careful when we've done wrong or when we've made a mistake, we can want to pull back and retreat instead of saying, God, I'm sorry. Here, I give you access to this. Now, what happens just a little later is after Peter has this part where he has literally denied the Lord three times, we see what Peter does. In John verse, or chapter 21, verse 3, it says that Peter goes back to his old life. Peter goes back to fishing. John 21, 3, it says, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And the other disciples, because they all followed Peter, they went with him. They said, we're going with you also. And they went out and immediately got into the boat. And I want you to pay careful attention to this passage because I'm going to break it down in just a minute. Immediately they got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Now here is the risen Jesus standing on the shore, and they didn't know it was Jesus. How many times do we think God is not present in our situation and maybe it's not that he's not there. Maybe it's that we just didn't recognize him. So here is Jesus standing there on the shore. Then Jesus says to them, children, 
have you any food? Hey, what'd you catch? Did you catch anything? You got anything in your boat? And they answered him, no, we don't have anything. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able, they they cast on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast and now they were able to draw it in, not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Now I wanna stop here for a minute. Because when Jesus called them to be disciples in Luke chapter 5, the exact same thing happened when he first called them to ministry. The exact same thing happened where Jesus said to them, hey, hey, can I come get in your boat and can you push off a little bit from the shore and I want to get in your boat. Can I use your boat to to preach? And and his voice would amplify over the water. And the Bible says that he spoke to the multitudes that day. When he first called them. When he first said, follow me. And, And what happened is after Jesus spoke to the crowd, Jesus says to them, what'd you catch? And they're like, "We we looked all night long. We tried all night long and we didn't get anything. And Jesus says to him, throw your nets over the side of the boat. And they're like, but Jesus, this isn't the right time or the hour. Like, this is not. And the Bible says that they said, well, nevertheless, at your word. I mean, you just preached a great message. I mean, you're in the, like, we'll do it. He throws the nets over, and the Bible says that they brought in a net full of fish. So here they are. They've fallen They've gone back to their old life. Jesus shows up right in the same spot where they had fallen away. And he's calling them again. And it says, it says that he said, they say, no, we, we didn't catch anything. And they cast the net in and they pull in all the fish. And then they're like, the very next scripture says, therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved, which John wrote this, so he's talking about himself, right? He says, therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, as soon as as they were told to put the nets in the water, they were like, oh my gosh, it's the Lord. Like, it's Jesus. Remember when this happened before? Remember when he called us? And remember, and they're like, oh my gosh, This is Jesus. They recognized him because he did the same thing. He told them to put their net in the water and it came up filled with fish. It happened twice in the Bible. And it says that when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he had removed it. We'll talk about why he did that in a minute. And he plunged into the sea But the other disciples came in a little boat, for they were not far from the land, about 200 cubits, which is about 300 feet, dragging the net with fish. They, as soon as they had come to the land, they saw a what? Fire of coals. I want you to remember that. Jesus is trying to restore them, bring them back, remind them of a calling And he brings them around a fire of coals. And he lays fish on it and bread. Now, a couple of things that 
I want to point out here. Because after Peter had known Jesus intimately for three and a half years, he denied him because it became hard in culture. It became hard. I mean, his, his life was going to be risked. So he denies Jesus three separate times. Culture was hostile. And then it says that he returns to the familiar because that's what we do when things get a little overwhelming or hard, if we're not careful. When things get hard or difficult, we tend to go back to our old life. We go back to that old relationship. We go back to that old job. We go back to those old habits. We go back to that old friendship that wasn't good then, but because it's familiar, because it's comfortable, we go back to that. Now, you see this pattern over and over again in the Bible. People go back to their old ways, not because it's good for them, but because it's comfortable, and as humans, we seek comfort. During a time of transition, when God's trying to take us up another level, when God's trying to do something in our life, is always the time where you're gonna wanna go back to what you've already left. You've already left it, you've already gone, but because you didn't handle the transition so well, and it's tough and it's difficult, it's so easy to wanna go back. But here's the thing. Peter's calling never changed, even though his circumstances did. And Jesus is going back to the very instance, trying to remind him, do you remember when I called you when you were in the boat? Do you, do you remember when I told you to throw the net over and then I told you to follow me? Do you remember that? He's like recreating the scene. The Bible says that Peter put on his garments and dove in the water. Now, you don't put on garments to dive into the water. Why did Peter do this? Well, because what they would do when they were, were fishermen by trade, you, you wore something specific, you know, an undergarment that you would fish in so you could keep your clothes clean. And what you would do when you were pulling in your haul or you were pulling everything in, it was like a neat, tidy way, and it was like a fisherman's uniform. But he realizes that he's in the boat. He realizes that it's Jesus, and he doesn't want Jesus to see that he's gone back to his old life. He doesn't want Jesus to see his fisherman's uniform. And he puts this coat on, and he covers up, and he dives in the water to go and to meet Jesus. It sounds just like what happened in Genesis 3.10, where Adam and Eve are in the garden. And God says, where are you? Now, God doesn't ask because he doesn't know. Jesus didn't ask Peter, hey, what's in your boat? Because he didn't know. He was asking them to take inspection of where they were. Take inspection of what doing it your way will get you. Same thing in Genesis. The Bible says they were afraid. Fear is a motivator. It's not a good one always, but fear is a motivator. I was afraid. Why? Because I was naked. Therefore, I hid. The tendency when we go through a difficult situation is to hide. 
is to pull back, is to cover our most sensitive areas, just like Adam and Eve did, just like Peter did, to cover our most sensitive things so we don't have to discuss it. But what happens is, is when we cover the very thing that we need to uncover, we don't get the help that we need because of shame. It's because of shame. The reason people don't get help for a pornography addiction is because the shame of having to admit what I've allowed in my boat or admitting what I've done in my marriage and how, how maybe I've stepped out on my marriage. You know, maybe I wasn't the leader that I needed to be for my family or for my wife. And, and I, 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 I don't want to have to acknowledge that because then I feel shame. And I don't know what to do with that feeling of shame. And when I feel shame, it makes me want to go back to where I came from instead of being Peter the rock. And so what we see is Jesus saying, hey, come on up here to the shore. You see, what Peter doesn't understand is God, God is not there because he's trying to beat Peter up. He's there because he's trying to call people, Peter higher. The greatest lessons that all of us learn are always in the university of adversity, right? Those are the greatest lessons, but often we want to hide from them. But here's what I've learned. I always pay attention when there's something that I'm trying to hide. Think about it like this. If you're clearing your search history on your computer, why? If you're deleting a chat history, why? If you've gotten into a relationship and you don't want anybody to know about it, why? If you're hanging out with friends and you don't want your other friends to know, why? The reason that we hide is because we know there's an aspect to what we are doing that is wrong and we don't want to fully acknowledge it. Whenever you see yourself wanting to hide something, ask yourself why. I remember a few years back for Christmas, um, I got my husband a grill that he had been wanting and I felt horrible, absolutely awful because I was being sneaky and hiding it from him. I'm like hide, covering up stuff on my desk when he would walk in. And, and, and even though I was trying to, to surprise him and make it a great thing and I was getting my kids to lure him out of the house so I could put the grill in and, and hide the grill in the back of the garage and cover it up and all this stuff. And so I remember just feeling uncomfortable because I, I was hiding. And, and the thing is, is even though I was trying to make it a surprise, the thing we have to understand is God didn't make us to hide. And we should feel uncomfortable when we are hiding something. Because what it does is it'll push us to go, why, why am I hiding that? Why didn't I tell my husband about that phone conversation? Why did I delete that history so my wife wouldn't see it? Why am I hiding this from my mom because I don't want my mom to know where I was? Whenever we hide, we're going back to Genesis 3.10 in the garden. There's something attached that we know isn't good. And so here in this situation, Peter's wanting to hide that he's gone back to fishing. And Jesus is like, hey, I see you didn't catch anything because... Just because we're busy doing things, effort does not equal impact. 
Just because you're busy doesn't mean it's busy doing what God has called you to do. And so Jesus is confronting Peter. And he he brings him in and he has him sit down. And he begins to ask him three separate questions that day. And they're having breakfast. They're, They're cooking fish and having bread. They're having breakfast. And Jesus begins to ask him this question right there over the fire of coals. They're sitting around the fire with coals. And Jesus says to him, Peter, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than the other disciples? Now again, I'm gonna break this word down because this is this Greek word love. This word right here is agape. Do you agape me, Peter? Do you love me unconditionally? That's a pretty hard question to ask somebody that's just failed you three times. That's a hard question to ask somebody who not only has failed three times, but has returned to their old way of life and you just left them a few days ago. How might Peter be feeling right there? Well, Peter responds and he says, yes, Jesus, I love you. But he doesn't say, I agape you. He says, I filios you which means you know you're a close friend. Before, Jesus is, you know, Peter is saying to Jesus, I'd do anything for you. I'd die for you. And he's like, Jesus, you know you're a close friend. And Jesus asks him the second time, Peter, do you love me? Do you agape me? Peter responds back to him and he says, Jesus, you know I filio you. You know you're a close friend of mine. Jesus asks him a third time. But this time Jesus does something interesting. Jesus changes the verb for Peter. Instead of saying, do you agape me? He looks Peter in the face and he says, do you really philo me, Peter? And Peter's like, yes, Jesus. Why do you keep asking me this? You've asked me this three times. Why are you asking me this? And here's the thing. When Jesus starts to get up in our business, he's not asking us questions to condemn us. He's asking us questions to restore us. Because Jesus asked Peter Three times do you love me to cancel out the three times that Peter denied Jesus. He's recreating the whole scene of what happened. He's taking Peter back and he's reminding Peter of what happened and how he came to restore it. I want to take you back and I want to to show you right here in the book of John What transpired when Peter denied Jesus? I want to read this to you. In verse 15 of chapter 18, Simon Peter followed Jesus. This is when Jesus has been taken away. Jesus has been taken away by the guards and he's being taken away. And it says, Simon Peter followed Jesus and so did another disciple. Now the thing that I find is very interesting is we never give Peter credit, because only two of them followed at this point. We never give Peter credit for leaving and going out and following. He didn't make it all the way, but he, he, he started. 
he got afraid. It says, now that disciple was known to the high priest and he went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door outside. Then the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to her who kept the door and brought Peter in. Then that servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, you're not also one of these man's disciples, are you? Aren't you? Peter said, I am not. Now the servants and officers who had made a what? Interesting. Fire of coals stood there, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves. And Peter stood with them and warmed himself. And we know that right then and there, by those fire of coals, that two more times Peter denied Jesus. How interesting that the only two times in the entire Bible that that word right there, fire of coals, is mentioned is when Peter falls three times and when Jesus restores him around the fire of coals. Jesus brings him back around a fire of coals. He denied Jesus three times. Jesus redeems him around the fire of coals. But what Jesus says to him that very day is he looks him in the face after he asks him three times, do you love me? He looks Peter in the face and he says, follow me. It's the very same thing he said in the beginning when Jesus gave him his calling. In other words, what Jesus is saying is no matter what you've done, no matter what's happened, the calling on your life has not changed. I still want you to come and follow me, Peter. It's not too late. Your destiny, your plan, your purpose is still in full tact. Will you follow me? Peter says yes, right then and there in that moment around the same word, the same fire of coals that he denied the Savior, God brought him right back there, recreated the moment and restored him. Will you stand on your feet? What I want you to know today is the fire of coals is right up here waiting. Doesn't matter where you've been. Doesn't matter what you've walked through. Jesus wants you to come back. He wants you to come gather around the fire and remember what he first put in you when he saved you, when he healed you, when he called you, when he delivered you. And there may have been some things that transpired where you, you stepped back or, or you pulled away, but he's saying, I want you to come back and I want you to gather around the fire because this is where you belong. This is where you belong. 
What I want to ask you today is if you've maybe stepped back, maybe you returned to an old way of living, maybe you backed away from the call, maybe you cooled off in your relationship, or maybe you've never heard the master's voice before and you're just trying to figure all this out. What I want to do is I want to ask you today, if you just want to come back, I want to ask you to get out of your seat right now. And I want you to come up here and gather around the fire. If you said, you know what, I'm not going to walk away from, you know, it may have been a rough season, but I'm not backing away from what God has called me to do. Get out of your seat and just come up here in the front. Just say, that's me. Just say, excuse me. Pardon me. I got to go get my destiny. Excuse me. Pardon me. I, I, I started fishing again, and, I, I, and I'm not. I'm going to fulfill the call. Just say, excuse me, I, I need to get out. There's something God's going to use and do in me. I think there's some more people that need to come up here that have been feeling shame. They've been feeling shame, like maybe, maybe I can't do what I'm supposed to do anymore. Maybe you made some choices that weren't the best. Are we any different than Peter? Are we any different than Peter who's messed up, who's fallen short of the glory of God? But the Lord is saying, just come on up around the fire. You belong around the fire because the thing that's so symbolic about fire in the Bible is this the Holy Spirit coming to burn off what was there so God's presence and His power and His Spirit can blow through. Let Him fan the flames of your heart. Come up here. You don't have to, like, fold in here. Come up here. Y'all come on down so I can reach all of you. Ushers, can you help them? Y'all come on up close. Come get near the fire. Come on, bring them. Ushers, bring them up. There we go. Would you guys just sing this song over them?
don't let anybody else talk you out of it. It's not just to be an athletic superstar, although you are, and I will cheer you on from the sidelines. There's greatness in you. Greatness in you. Don't ever settle for second. Your eyes are sweating.
We are not staying down. We are not down for the count. We will follow you. We will serve you all the days of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we encourage you to spread the word. Share with your friends and family on social media and make sure you subscribe to hear a new message every week. Really love the message? Well, we want to hear from you. Make sure to leave us a review below. Want more Freedom House content? Follow us on Instagram at Freedom House and subscribe to Freedom House Church on YouTube. We hope you are equipped to experience all that God has for you this week, and we'll see you for our next Freedom House Church weekend message. Thank you.